This is the Relevant Podcast. I got to find you October 27, 2017. It's the Halloween episode oh, the of the one, Relevant Podcast. The one we've been waiting for. Uh, this oh, week's yes. show is brought to you by Samaritan's Purse. Hey, everyone. It's time to pack an Operation Christmas Child shoebox. Uh, the collection week is coming up soon. By packing a shoebox full of simple gifts, you can share the good news and joy of Christ with a child in need this Christmas. Since 1993, Operation Christmas Child has delivered more than 146 million shoebox gifts to children in more than 160 countries worldwide. This year, Operation Christmas Child hopes to collect enough shoebox gifts to reach another 12 million children. Anyone can pack a shoebox. Individuals, families, churches, students, and groups. During the National Collection Week on November 13th through 20th, so it's just in two weeks, shoeboxes will be collected at nearly 5,000 drop-off locations across the U.S. You can visit SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC stands for Operation Christmas Child, uh, to find a drop-off location near you. You can also donate nine bucks online per shoebox and receive a follow-your-box tracking label to discover its destination. Again, that's visit um, SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC for gift suggestions, tracking labels, and to find drop-off locations. I do do this with Cohen. Uh, The last few years we've done it. I love it. Yeah, we pick it up with the Y. Do a couple boxes. Do you really? Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I love it. It's very sweet. And it helps. I think me and Luna are going to do it. Oh, yeah. And it helps set the tone for like, all right, we're getting into this very self-indulgent season, which right. is okay, and it's fun to eat and have time with friends, but like, this is one of the first things that we do that's Christmas. It's the same with Cohen. Yeah. It's like, I want to create, uh, you know, he's he just turned eight. I want to yeah. create this pattern of, yeah. it's about giving, not getting, yeah. and that th- this is a great way to do it. Yeah, and it's, there's like a lot of boxes that are given out. This 12 is, million! That's crazy. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. So we'll take 11 million of them, and yeah. then everybody else can just can do the, the last million. Yeah, oh, so the relevant, the relevant podcast <laughs> listeners can just... <laughs> Take, oh, yeah, we take should, the lion's share here. Yeah, relevant podcast people, let us know if you do one. Yeah, for real. That would be really exciting. It would be yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm your host, Cameron, here with me in our Orlando studios, Eddie Big Cat Coffold. Tis the season, Cameron. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> well, right now it's a tis the season for ghouls and Ooh. goblins. Over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious <laughs> producer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Leverland, Virginia, Jesse the Guapo Carey. Hello, hello. And all the way from Los Angeles, from Los Angeles, California, uh, rapper, MC, and all around good guy, propaganda. Doves up, West West. Yes, <laughs> I, always. Cameron, I tried to gu- Google Guapo to find out the meaning. Google didn't even know how to. They didn't even have a suggestion for. They were you, you know, usually <laughs> well, if you miss something, you're saying oh, wrong, did so you mean that. this? Well, how would you know? He's he's married into a Spanish first family. All, yeah. Yeah. First of all, I'm from Los Angeles. That's like required to speak a little bit of Spanish. Either that yeah. or have no friends. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, no, no, Jesse, if you looked at our relevant podcast Twitter feed all week, people in abundance were informing us that it means handsome. Which I said that oh. in, in the last hey, week's we don't episode. listen to you. Turn yourself yeah. down a little bit. I thought you were just co- because Chandler regularly comments. <laughs> oh, he just looks sometimes when he's in the studio, he'll just look up at the monitor and see me and go, handsome. handsome. And it's like I thought that's what was happening. That's a frequent thing when I'm on the screens in there. I'm pretty sure you can uh, open up a dictionary and see a picture of 
uh, Cameron Strang. Oh, there you smirking. Go. <laughs> the, yeah, Chandler, Chandler just has like complimentary Tourette's. He just right. looks at Jesse and can't help himself. He just says, handsome. Just handsome. Jesse. Can't help it. Well, uh, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, Trip Lee joins us. He was in the studio a couple days ago, and mm. uh, I was out of town, and so, and all the editorial team was out of town. Uh, our Don't creative first. director, John David Harris, is oh, one yeah. who interviewed him. We love JD. He's we great. Love JD. Yeah. He's a former youth pastor, so I figured he'd be good on Mike. Praise him. <laughs> you know, J- J- JD's a, he can, he can he's a master of all trades. There, I had him. You know, uh, Cameron. I, he did some plumbing at the old office. Right, I know. Right. I mean, yeah. literally, yeah. Wh- whatever you want, JD. Whatever you need. Can, JD's in. He's fairly unflappable too. Like even on Print Week, when everybody's sort of like kind of nose down and clicking away and doing things like the last moment, yeah. he's like. What's up? How are you doing? <laughs> How's the week? I'm like, okay, well, maybe you should be more nervous. things in there about Trip Lee. He's probably the most, one of the funniest, like, sniper comedy persons you'll ever meet to where it's like, you're in a group text with him, you're in a room full of people. He's super quiet the whole time. And then he'll just, like, throw this like dart of hilarium in the middle of something and i'm <laughs> like of hilarium. like he's yes. one of the funniest people i know that guy has like outside of being incredibly gorgeous you know <laughs> remarkably Handsome. like talented as a hip-hop artist <laughs> guapo. Guapo. el guapo right mm. he could <laughs> like better. trip could write for snl like he's so wow funny it just sucks that no one sees that because he's always either rapper trip or pastor trip but he's yeah. like super funny i think i jd was telling me he said there was one awkward moment in it and jd you know to prep for it you know the editorial team jesse tyler you know helped get some questions together so so he you know had good content right uh jd told me he listened to the album you know he's aware of everything but he didn't read the article we did with trip in a recent issue of relevant (laughs) and so so jd starts asking him about something and he mentions his illness and JD's like, oh, really? Well, I didn't know about that. Da, da, da. And he goes, and he goes, have you ever talked about this publicly? And Trip goes, <laughs> yeah. And the article I did with y'all last year, and he like oh. just like deadpan stared at him, which is that six sense of humor he's got. Yeah, yes, because he's just like because JD is just like scrambling at that point, like, oh, oh yeah. I mean, I forgot about yeah. Yeah, that, and he's <laughs> totally kidding. He just <laughs> right, right. deadpan you like. Yeah, yeah, I remember I wrote an article for your magazine that you yeah, wrote for. Where yeah. I shared my, uh, my journey and yeah. it was very yeah, one vulnerable. of the hardest things of my life. Yeah, yeah. yeah thanks a lot for remembering <laughs> that. But it's it's great. And JD even, he even softballed. He shouldn't have even asked the question. It's like you never say, oh, it's nice to meet you. You always say like, oh, it's great to see you. Because you just never admit. You he, never know, yeah. Yeah, he should have just said like, what's it feel like to share that publicly? I've never heard that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're good. Why weren't you here interviewing the rappers? Yeah. <laughs> uh, because you really don't want me interviewing. Well, I think I could interview Triple yeah. I think I would have yeah. had a good time. You, you go pastor mode with him. You talk about like, what's your technique for taking no, up the no, offering? No. I would go full music. <laughs> I would listen to the album uh-huh. and then I would like a line at a time. What's that line mean? You wouldn't, you wouldn't talk about the benediction and like his strategy for um, dismissing a service after the altar call. You never <laughs> have any idea what I'd ask, but yeah, I probably would. I would <laughs> yeah. Next time. If it's between me and JD though, I still pick JD. He, that guy's okay. really, I'm going to speak for every rapper on here that ever gets interviewed by y'all. Like yeah. whenever someone says, Hey, so when you said, this line in that song. You love like, it. What did, what did you mean by that? <laughs> I'm like, well, I meant exactly what I said. Like, oh, I don't, what's right. the meaning behind that? What it's what it said. Wait, is that the worst? Like, I, wait, you never speak in metaphors? Yeah. Okay, so that? look, somebody goes, hey, when you wrote Prestige Puritans, like, 
So what were you thinking about? I was like, well, I was thinking about what I wrote about. I don't, I don't understand the question. Oh, there's yeah. nothing more painful to me than bad interviews with artists, like, oh like, 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 like radio interviews or something like that, where they clearly don't know the music. They're mm-hmm. just asking generic stuff or they start asking like, what does your title, the title mean? What's the meaning behind it? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just painful. Well, yeah. it's just painful. Cameron, the, the, the the thing with JD, it really, it, you know, had me thinking because I felt like, you know, JD do a great job. What if we just to kind of, you know, I, I kind of like rally the troops a little and, you know, get, get people thinking outside the box, get the, you know, shake up the corporate culture, do yeah. a, do a job trade week at relevant where <laughs> there's a hat and it has every position in there and you go pick and that's your job for the week. So, I mean, I could be designing the cover for the next issue if this happens. <laughs> You know, I like it. We, we could have, <laughs> we could have, you know, Calvin on the ones and twos. I don't even know if we'll put out a podcast this week because I'm not confident he could figure it out in time. I nobody just get, think nobody gets paid. That's no. for sure because nobody would no. know how to use the QuickBooks. It's, but, it would yeah. be Relevance first ever Magic Eye cover. <laughs> yeah. if, if, uh, Cameron, this this week it's my job and I choose Magic Eye and it's it's an inspiring <laughs> picture of the Statue of Liberty and if you look at it right, the torch is coming right out at you. It's gonna fly off the newsstand. Job trade week at Relevant. Everyone, you get to appreciate other people's job. That's all I'm saying. I'm it's just like musical throw it out So it's like undercover boss, yeah. but everybody participates. Great. Yeah. I like it. And prop, I'd like to just bookmark this moment to tell you that it's almost certain that the next time you have a project come out, I'll be the one interviewing viewing you oh. it'll just be a line by line <laughs> so the first thing you wrote what did it mean when you said <laughs> uh, also coming up later uh, Tyler joins us and we give you guys an inside look at the brand new upcoming issue of relevant oh yeah I can't kind of debut that it's, I, it's part that I dip out on and just listen to I love it it, it is it's the part where you leave I'm like really yeah. excited about yeah, talking about this issue too I, my favorite thing right now is Jesse's gotten way more involved in the print magazine over the last six months yeah. and literally every issue He's super excited because it's the best one ever. I, I was not going to say it because I don't want to wreck the pitch that's happening, but he does say it he every, does every time. No, but he I don't, I don't care. Hey, I'm going to own it. I don't care. Excellent. They're all excellent for what it's worth, but it is. Well, he's kind of throwing shade of uh, the team that was doing it prior to Jesse kind of <laughs> taking it over. He's like, now that I'm in charge, best issue in our history. Well, that's what he's saying. I mean, it's not just me. I, you know, I, I'm, starting to sound, I'm starting to sound like our president, but a lot of people are saying <laughs> A lot of people are saying this is the best. Um, (laughs) See, here's what I've learned. I watch a lot of politics. Just throw an opinion out there. Double down. Double Double down. down. A lot of people are saying this. Would you like it, Jesse, if Prop was on that and asked you article by article what each one meant and why you wrote it and what you were thinking? Yeah, you know, ideally, that's a a whole other podcast. But uh, All right, we'll move the show along. It's time for our look back at what happened this week in culture and entertainment. It's time for In Case You Missed It. Hey, in case you missed it this week, uh, Lauren Daigle, uh, our friend or worship leader, artist, worship artist, I guess. Um, she explained how she ended up on the Blade Runner 2049 soundtrack. Uh, this week, she told reporters at the Dove Awards that the person in charge of the movie's music is a Christian. And after being invited to contribute, she went away and prayed. She explained, I couldn't get away from the idea of every person that's in those theaters that are watching Blade Runner that might not know who God is, that might need his hope, that might need his love, that things that we as Christians offer the world and bring to the world. 
She said that even uh, part of the film's plot played into the spiritual metaphors of the song Almost Human. She said the symbolism is that there are characters in the movies who are replicants and then there are humans. The replicants are kind of like the artificial intelligence and they long to be human. I thought I can kind of put that in my own way as that we as humans, we hear the God-shaped hole, that reference. We all have this place of longing that we want to know who God is. This song is about that place of recognizing our longing and recognizing who we are apart from him and then who we are when we come into what he has in store for us. Here's a clip of Almost Human. I'm almost Sing a little. But wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Are, that's about God? No, it's about Blade Runner. It's yeah. about the replicants. But, but, but she was saying, you know... But you, she's like, there's some metaphor, but here's what we need to do. Get her on here. Ask her about it line by line. That's what I'm thinking. You said almost. What did you... <laughs> and when mean? you say your, who are you speaking to? Is it a capital, capital? Y yeah. or your boyfriend? <laughs> so, but, but, but seriously, 2017... Okay, Gunger just scored the um, uh, uh, trailer for Justice League. Lauren mm-hmm. Daigle is on the Blade Runner soundtrack. It, this is this is quite okay, the hey, year. Uh, NF has the number one album in the country yeah. last week. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's the album. It, this is the year to be a Christian. Yeah, this is <laughs> of all the years. It took two, this is it the took one. 2017 years. Right, and I think we're. Around. It's finally, it's finally clicking. Yeah, it's finally because right. you know, we're kind of you know they like us now. Right, the silos. No, see, this is the weirdest thing. Is like it's such a weird cultural moment about yeah. Christianity in the public yeah. space, mm-hmm. and and a lot of Christians are don't look that great. It is odd that these overtly Christian artists are getting more influence yeah. and uh, acceptance in Hollywood. We all have all places. to look great. I think. I, I agree. That's actually yeah. a really good point. No, I, I completely agree. He yeah. was uh, Lecrae was on uh, TRL this week and MTV TRL. Yep, he's he's everywhere. Like I, I I literally all the time will see clips of him on like Sway or uh, yeah. I mean, he's been on the Tonight Show. You see him on uh, talk shows. I mean, he is really yeah. opening the door for artists that are openly Christian. The, the other thing though to it is like I, I have to remember it's not just like acceptance of Christian music. It's that there's like some. Th- Excellent music being right. made. It's just like the case. Especially yeah. Christians good. are finally making good music. Right, 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 right. That's kind of true. Yeah, that's actually kind of really true. Yeah, <laughs> like that's really. Yeah, the I, thing. I, I never got the whole thing. I never bought into the line that like the culture hates us. I'm like, no, yeah. Christians are making junk music, <laughs> and they don't they don't like junk. Yeah, and so like make great stuff, and it will be popular. Yeah, I mean that's it. Yeah, that was my thing. It's never. I, I never felt like there was any sort of. A discrimination at all it was just not good yeah. yeah there you go i did like burlap to cashmere though back in the day hey hey who didn't i saw them open for cademan's call oh, one time no. and it changed my life <laughs> my cargo shorts were on fire well, what was the what was the what was the song diggy that, dime uh, diggy dime yeah diggy diggy dime diggy diggy dime hey real talk it's not about you and but i remember hearing that like whatever burlap to cashmere with diggy diggy dime dime there's a place where I come from. This is a great song. I've never heard this. 
Wipe the tears off from your eyes. It was like a blues traveler or anything. Yeah. But they were all like flamenco guitar players. They were awesome. Just look through the painter's hands. Like an ocean meets its sands. It's about to drop. Prop. Ready? Ready. Hey! Hey, that's epically Can you 90s. you handle that? All right. Twisted castle. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's not a compelling reason why that was not on the first Superman trailer. <laughs> the, uh, well, it was. It did come out in 1998. That's right. one reason. Perfect. Uh, and yeah. I, 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 believe, I believe I remember hearing years ago that one of them passed away, like in a tragic car accident yeah, or something. Oh, no. yeah. yeah. Well, sorry, I didn't yeah. know that. Because I almost was dis- going to say, like, why aren't they? Why aren't they still making music? But I really think they've. Yeah, but yeah. Sorry. Well, it, but they I were a great opener for for uh, Cademan's Call. Cademan's Call and, uh, and uh, my senior year of college. Cademan's Call, so wonderful. And I saw Cademan's Call like still in the Derek Webb days. Yeah, me too. And that's that, the only era. Yeah, with that kid who played keyboard who was like fourteen years old. And now, now he's got like six kids. Yeah, right. He's like an adult man. Yeah. Hey, in case you missed it this week, NFL star Chris Long is uh, giving away his salary to help underserved kids. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles star is basically playing this NFL season for free. Yeah. He's committed to giving all of his game checks away to help kids in cities he's lived in. Uh, Chris has donated his first six checks to fund scholarships in the city of Charlottesville, where he went to college. A decision he made after seeing the violent protests by white supremacists um, this summer. Now he's launched the Pledge 10 for Tomorrow project, giving his remaining 10 game checks to organizations in the three cities he's played in during his NFL career that helped un- underserved kids receive education uh, opportunities. He said that he hopes the move will inspire others to give. Uh, he explained, my wife and I have been passionate about education being a gateway for upward mobility and equality. I think we can all agree that equality in education can help affect change that we all want to see in this country. Chris, uh, who is white, has been a vocal advocate for helping communities and fighting racial injustice. Earlier this summer, he made headlines for putting his arm around teammate Malcolm Jenkins during his protest during the national anthem, explaining to the Philadelphia Inquirer, I thought it was important that athletes with my skin color stood up with others protesting for racial equality. I like this guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Eagles as a team, there is a lot of great players. I mean, first and of all, they're, they're crushing it right they now. They just won. The, yeah, yeah, they're sixth against DC, but like they are doing they're seven and one, right? Six and one. I think they're six and one. Yeah, yeah. one last but night. Well, I learned that at the gym this morning watching uh, ESPN on silent. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. They, yeah. they smoke the Redskins. But, um, but you know, what's interesting is Malcolm Jenkins, uh, who's mentioned it was the, is a wide receiver who Chris Long put his arm around uh, during the national anthem when uh, Malcolm Jenkins was on a knee uh, last week. It came out. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or not, um, but uh, he was baptized at a hotel swimming pool that the team was staying yes. at bet- before their Thursday night game, um, uh, surrounded by his teammates, including the quarterback, Carson Wentz, uh, who's an outspoken quarterback and arguably the best young quarterback in the NFL right now. Uh, and he's an outspoken quarterback or an outspoken Christian? <laughs> he's an outspoken quarterback. Like the rest of the guys just Talks like a lot of trash. They yeah. just like call, they do. They're in the huddle and they like tell the guys to call. Yeah, this guy. He's really, really outspoken. Really, yeah. When you hear him say hut hut hike, it's it's a whole nother. <laughs> it's a whole nother thing. <laughs> Omaha, <laughs> Omaha. It's I mean. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, he he's a he's an outspoken Christian. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, interesting uh, personalities on that team that seem to be interested in in doing yeah. insane positive. I'm things. telling you, it's the year of the Christian. I interviewed another mm. Philadelphia Eagles player yesterday for future podcasting, who's doing great things. And there's like five people on their team for 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 uh, the new activists, new activists, yeah, right. doing stuff. And they just like CNN just featured a bunch of the Eagles going to. Uh, the DR to learn about slavery. And it was like, wow. amazing. Like Philadelphia yeah. Eagles, great team. I could get behind them this season. There you go. Cause it's not going to be the bucks and they're God's favorite team. Praise him. Okay. I, I don't know. Their fans are, their fans are evil. <laughs> I mean, they, they <laughs> pelted Santa Claus yeah. at Christmas on a Christmas Eve game with snowballs. Yeah. So the team is trying to redeem them. And yeah. I don't think Philly fans, I think if a Philly fan was listening, I don't think they'd be like, how dare he say it? And they'd be like, no, dude, that's, that's right on. We're, yeah. we're really Actually, jacked we're, up. We yeah. do terrible things. Yeah, yeah but so I have like, fans. For like, the we're fans. okay with it. I think that's funny. I mean, yeah, you're going to pelt Santa with snowballs. That's just, that's good natured <laughs> well, comedy. I, I was watching the Monday night game and, <laughs> and they were, you know, it was, it was, it was a division game against the Redskins and the Eagles. And they were doing a cutaway to one of the players on the Redskins. And they said, uh, you know, this player didn't want to bring his family to the game tonight, even though it was a Monday night football game, the biggest game of the week, yeah. a Monday night division football game, because he didn't feel comfortable with his family in the stands around Eagles fans <laughs> because they would know he's their family of a Redskins player. Like it's, it's that level of like psycho. It's a psychological edge that they have Listen, because of their fans. I respect it and I aspire to that I as a it. fan. I like I, this week uh, after a game, I, I saw NBA news that Kyrie Irving mm-hmm. snapped at a fan yeah. and said a phrase, and then yeah. got, it got caught on video and it went viral, and he got fined twenty five thousand dollars. <laughs> wow! Last year during a game, I. Uh, upset Kyrie to the level that he said the exact same phrase to me. Yeah. I'm not a snitch. Yeah. I didn't put that out there and get him, get him fined. I'm just saying. So, you know, but I'm saying street cred, these fans who are provoking, you know, responses. I mean, I respect it. I, I hey, aspire it was to be a home game and the Eagles won. So, I mean, you do the math there, you yeah. know, I, in case you missed it, uh, this week, a 23 year old clip from the TGIF uh, show family matters went viral for its still relevant message about racism in the scene. Carl Winslow, who's uh, who plays a Chicago police officer on the show, the best uh, confronts two fellow officers at a diner who unknowingly harassed his son during a traffic stop. Here's a portion of the scene. I remember this episode. Oh, yeah. You two work the Burlington Heights district, don't you? Yeah. Did you work the evening shift last night? Yeah, that's right. Say, did you happen to pull over a 77 Dodge Monaco? The driver was a black teenager. Yeah. Ran a stop sign. It was failure to signal. Whatever. Who are you, the activist on the force? No, Boom. I'm a father on the force, and that kid was my son. Mm. Look, I can see you being upset and all, but hey, it was your kid that messed up, so don't try and take it out on me, all right? No, it's not all right. And do you know why it's not all right, Evans? Because I think that you rousted my son. No way. He fit the description of a carjacker we've been looking for. That will not cut things. Because I am familiar with all the outstanding carjacking bulletins, and not one suspect even remotely resembles my son. Come on, give me a break. It's dark. It's a black guy. Oh, 
Case closed. Lock him up. You know, bottom line, your kid was in the wrong part of town. The wrong part of town? Yeah. Oh, so what are you saying? That black kids aren't allowed in white neighborhoods. It goes on from wow. there. It's it was powerful. I mean, yeah, yeah. seriously, come on. I, I you know I yeah I, I watched that scene. <clears throat> we posted on it on the our web uh, the website too to share with readers. And I you know I didn't remember a lot of those type of moments on that show. Like everyone remembers Steve Urkel and, you know, kind of the goofy laugh track. But I mean, you know, this was a, you know, the show depicted a middle-class black family in Chicago and did take time to address some of these social issues. And particularly with the issue of like police harassment, it's crazy that that was 23 years ago. And the conversation has gotten even more, um, you know, intense since then in a lot of ways. You know, a lot of like 90s, like sitcoms really don't get the credit that they deserve of like actually talking about social issues. Like if you go through some of like the episodes of A Different World while they were in at that, at the, yes. you know, at Hillman, like these were like serious things these dudes were talking about, you yeah. know? Yeah. But, I mean, this, this episode would have been a couple years after Rodney King um, you know, made the news in the early nineties, 92 or so this would have been around 93, 94. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a national conversation and it was yeah. a tense time, yeah. especially with pretty police brutality and, and racial profiling. I remember seeing that stuff though, like those kinds of episodes and not having an awareness that that happened at all. And that was probably, you know, because I was a, you know, 10, kid, to, 10 yeah. to 20 year old white kid in middle of nowhere, Florida. But like, it's funny how at the time they were about like awareness, like, Hey, this is happening. And now it's becoming like, it's, it's like taking on new life as relevance. Like this, right. yeah. we were, this is what we were talking about. And this is actually a really good lesson. Well, Did they, you see w- right after that clip though, hmm. Urkel walked in and he like slipped and fell and yeah. hit a tray over. Did I do that? And it was just a whole it was scene. The break. whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it kind of wrecks it. If you play through that. <laughs> yeah. That's why we stopped the clip. Where yeah, we did. <laughs> the the, the comments on our Facebook page are <laughs> right. often hit or miss, but, I'm like, dude, people will freaking call you out by name on that page. Yeah, He's like, yeah, crazy. I know some guy was talking trash about you the other day. I'm like, see, I told you yeah, they'll like, literally like tag you in a comment. Comments. You do. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. This is going <laughs> down the rabbit rabbit hole. But but anyway, someone on that. Dude, if we po- if we post, oh, that's, that's we, why Chandler, because they're not talking about you. Yeah, they're not I, talking about me. But I know I'll completely avoid the comment section. But yeah, the yeah. funny thing is, like, I, I like I, I I don't read the comments, right? But but like uh, last week, we posted a new job opening on Facebook. You can like post jobs on Facebook yeah. now. The comments under that really? are just like brutal, what, what and are I'm they like, saying? oh, just I don't even want to dignify yeah, it. anything. Yeah, I deleted it all. Like irrelevant. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> That's that's the go to. That's, that's hilarious. No, that's like the no, most that's the go to. Sure. That's the go to for the trolls. There's like, oh, more oh like I thought you made that up. No, no that's no. like literally. No, right. that's that's right. I read that comment every day. Yeah, like on, it can be something everyone. that is blowing up. That is getting like that everybody loves. Everyone thinks it's just a, a delightful thing. We to can read. post. We can post the phrase <laughs> "God loves you." 
and it would, it would, the trolls would have a heyday with yeah, it. Yeah, but, sure. but, yeah. But, but either way, the comment on this one that was actually, you know, I thought was interesting was like, at the time when that episode aired, it was kind of a bring your family around the TV, uh, you know, sort of like very special episode moment where this was an important lesson for everyone to kind of talk about it. If it had been today, people would be like, oh, look at these liberals on TGIF or look at these, polit- you know, them politicizing something where the, the conversation has become so unnecessarily polarizing that a lot of people today have lost the ability to look at an issue like this objectively because because they automatically have some political leanings going into it where it's like, yeah, it, it, you know, at the time it was something that everyone could agree. This is a problem that needs to be addressed. And when you look at why it's so difficult to talk about it now, you can understand something like the protests that are happening in sports leagues because they're using the platform that people are still going to listen to. Yeah, mm. there you go. Hey, lastly, in case you missed it uh, this week, this is uh, this is the equivalent of Urkel coming in and slipping and falling, mm-hmm. you know, like a serious conversation. And then yeah. this uh, a viral video of a man playing the saxophone without a saxophone <laughs> blew minds across oh, the internet this man, week. This was his great. name is Andy Williams and he performs his trick of seemingly playing an invisible saxophone on British TV. And even though seeing him miming a saxophone along with his facial expressions is a delight. You can still get the full experience with audio only. Well, could I could before before we do it, could yes. I just please bring up one of my favorite things about relevant because I read all the articles. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, every once in a while, and I bring this up every now and again, there is an article that is so clearly written by Jesse, even though his name is not in the byline. <laughs> that it's literally like I, it's like I can hear his voice. Yeah. So if you would allow me to just sure. read you a portion of this article yes. written by our Jesse Carey. <laughs> well, you assume. Oh, assuming, yeah. I'll read it and let you all decide. <laughs> okay, all right. First, the headline, watch this dude play a saxophone without a saxophone. Ladies and gentlemen, here, let me read it to you. And you, you can just decide. I could be wrong. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, they found it. The most incredible video on the internet. Meet Andy Williams, a man who can actually play saxophone. While he's not performing, oh, here, here it is. While he's not performing on British talk shows, he's performing his trick at pubs, blowing minds and making people question everything they thought a human was capable of. That is vintage carry. Here's a quote. Letter number one, I'm enjoying the brass off. I'd love to play saxophone, but I don't have one. What do you suggest? Well, if you don't have a saxophone, and even if you did, you probably couldn't play it because you couldn't learn because you don't have the time. Do what this guy does. Oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. It is. It is also exponentially better as an audio slice. Yeah. Because when you watch it, it sort of looks like he's like choking, making like some sort of like guttural utterance, and his like mouth is like slung open. It's, it's like, unsettling watching it. Yeah, really <laughs> because he can't do it with his hands in his pocket, but he insists on like act like he's holding an invisible saxophone. Exactly. Like, can you play just the saxophone part one more time? Because yeah. it sounds like if for anyone who's played, like it sounds like he's bending the reed a little at one point like an impressive <laughs> move <laughs> that is 
It's now, crazy. Now, I, will, I will ask a question, Jesse, and I'm sure you spent three or four hours yesterday <laughs> researching this. He, there, missed, he missed two meetings in the afternoon. Because there's of this. a whole other clip of this guy doing the full version, and he's yeah. like in a pub. Like, can he? But he's playing the same song. Is he only able to play that song, or could he do that? Like that that sax solo from the '80s. I forgot what it is. Like, can George he play Michaels? Any, yeah, I think the Pink Panthers is go to. I did yeah. read on a blog that that he's known to perform other songs, but that that one seemed to be the clip that would play the best because, oh. like I said, it, the 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 thing is, it has that like silky sax tone, but then right. it's not just silky. like him imitating an instrument; it's like him getting fancy with it, like 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 if you were if you were to play me that clip and 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 if like two Pink Panther clips. I don't know that I could tell you which one was the saxophone, which one was that guy. Yeah. <laughs> right there. How do you discover that, though? How do you discover you can do that? Yeah, he's like bending notes. That's <laughs> yes, mesmerizing, yeah, is what that good. is. Oh, my gracious. But you know what a comment on that was? Yeah, really relevant. You know what, commenter? <laughs> Shut up. Everyone loved it. God made that guy with a special talent. Like that can someone, you know, when it says like the heavens declare his glory, like some people look yeah. up in the sky, they look yeah. at creation, and they're like, right. there has to be a, there has to there be, has a, to be a, a creator yeah. behind it. This yeah. is an intelligent design. You're that man can make atheists come to the Lord. He'd be like, okay, okay, something, something deep is happening here. So just lay off, commenter. Just enjoy it. I feel you deserve your own happiness, commenter. If you can't appreciate that, then there's nothing that will help you. Yeah, that's true. All yeah. right. Well, that'll do it for in case you missed it. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices. Mikey likes that curry chicken, easy cheese, jelly pepper, salt to squeeze, yeah. Mikey likes that lava lips, rainy days, holly berry, purple haze, yeah. Yeah. I like that. You're listening to Mikey Mike. The song is Mikey Likes It. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Tim Ayer with Find You. There you go. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> this one actually it, comes huh? from Orlando. Just coincidentally, I saw this headline. I was like, oh, I got to talk about this. Because the, the story itself, sometimes I bring two furs and there's a lot of layers. This one doesn't have any layers, but it brings up a topic that I feel like I've been wanting to talk about for a while, but didn't have an entry point. So here's the headline. <laughs> Man spanks Orlando police horse gets saddled with charges. First of all, <laughs> that's that a headline. Is, yeah, whoever yeah, that's a headline. wins. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I actually looked up the Jesse the writer in the headline. Has. Watch this dude hit a horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, hey, tomato, tomato. In God. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, AP style rules are evolving rapidly. It's, it's an interesting era of media. So um, the story is, it, it, this happened in downtown uh, uh, Orlando late Saturday night, uh, early Sunday morning. People are out and about doing their thing. And uh, a gentleman uh, ended up walking behind a, a police horse. And, uh, you know, each Orlando outlet has been... Um, you know, phrasing it different, but the police horse's name was Izzy. And according to Orlando Sentinel, he gave it a slap on its hindquarters. Uh, from there, Izzy turned around quickly to look. It was, the, the horse was clearly startled and the man ran away only to be apprehended a few moments later. He, um, he ended up getting arrested and he was charged. This is the charge injuring a police horse 
was mm. one of the charges. He also had some illicit substances on us, led to other charges. But I want to focus in on the charges of injuring a police horse because huh. he the, the, the story goes out of the way to say the horse needed no veterinary care after this incident. Like it wasn't injured. So I could see if it was assaulting a police horse. But this charge, I think, is an obvious drop. But here's here's what baffles me. And here's what I wanted to talk about. Why are police using horses this is just the, to patrol this, the... Right, Jesse, this is the whole point of it, right? Because they use bicycles. I mean, like in crowd downtown but, situations. Yeah, but sense. a bicycle is in our century, is, is his point. Hey, yeah. Well, and but, it can get through a, a little crowd real quick. It can get up around, like, outside of the stadium. Like, it makes sense. A horse... It's more intimidating, though. It's more intimidating. You're up higher. Yeah, you can, you like, can see yeah, stuff. That's not any but more intimidating. No that's more comical. Yes, yeah, exactly. Maybe. No, you know how many people would go up and spank a police officer on a motorcycle? None, because a motorcycle is sweet and you wear a leather jacket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's not, it, it, if someone is tempted to go spank yeah. something, it's not intimidating. Newsflash. Like, it, they, they see a horse and they're like, hey, wouldn't it be hilarious if I just... It's, it, the other thing, too, is I feel like the charge was saying if he said, yeah, when he slapped it. But if it's just a good natured slap, it's like petting a dog. It's like when I see a horse, I want to kind of give it a little slap there, guy. Yeah. But, but again, the... I think, right, it just shows like how the the, the pointlessness of put, using a 2,000 pound animal to walk right. the streets of an urban city. Like, yeah. we don't live in the Old West anymore. There is no purpose that police horses serve anymore. No. It, it, yeah, that's it, like, like superfluous, superfluously putting a life in danger. Like, your, your, your motorcycle, your car could die, but it's not really living. You understand? Right. But like, yeah. like a horse is like a living, you're putting it in harm's way when you don't have to. Right. Yeah. Like if it's in a dangerous situation and there's gunfire, I'm going to pick the bike to keep functioning over the horse. I can yes. see though. I can see like Central Park Rangers or like, you know, park um, patrol use it because they need to go over terrain and jump okay. over the river and okay. go around the, yeah, the so hills. Yeah, National Park and National things park like that. Type stuff. Or, okay. or even Central Park. I mean, you yes. know. But, but not downtown Orlando. Yeah, not which, walking around a street with uh, like crowds and mobs and stuff. It's going to get spooked. Now, the up higher angle does make, there does make sense because you're like six feet high on that thing. Right. That that does work a little bit for me. But yeah. even that, I feel like we could work out with one of those uh, huge bicycles that well, you guys still, have. Well, still. segue. just stilted officers you know? stilted officers on lookout with binoculars and then you have you have like the ones on the ground on the little bikes <laughs> and on the segways i've been to like universal before and they're doing like the you know they have guys in the theme park at night when it goes to like the more grown-up time they got dudes walking around in beetlejuice costumes that are on still saw night you know like it, the technology's <laughs> sure. there they got guys <laughs> with these cool technologies little, there the, the, <laughs> they got good thing with these like cool like foot extensions where they can hop yeah. and do flips and gainers all oh, night yeah, yeah, yeah that's right you, you know would be more, you know, be more effective and intimidating than a guy on a on a, a two thousand pound barnyard animal walking around all night. Is a is a cop with cool like metal contraptions that he's hopping around block to block doing flips looking for crime. You know what kind of criminal? You know, who's gonna Who's gonna do something in front of a cop that you just saw do a three sixty flip like no problems? No one, No cop. No criminals insane. You got a real life superhero out there flipping around looking for crime. The thing yeah, about the horse is think like the criminal would stop and just be like, Whoa. Yo. I surrender. I oh, surrender, boy. dude. That was awesome. Yeah. Because the thing about the horse is like, there's only a certain amount of crimes that the horse cop can stop. 
if you're in a car and a traffic crime, I'm just going to drive away. The horse, my, my car has like a hundred horsepower. That means you're going to need a hundred. By my math, unless you got a hundred horse cops, you're not catching me. Okay. I also got, an indoor crime. Any indoor crime. I also have to say, in like you know, I want to be careful because we are not saying anybody should like slap a horse. We are not. A, we're not a fan Look of the horse being hurt. I mean, yeah. granted, the Philadelphia Eagles fans might. Right. And granted, yeah. the police officer is jamming his ankles into the horse's rib cage all night to get him to move but like besides yeah, yeah, besides, be, besides uh, riding context, a horse context, we're okay yeah. we don't want the horse to be hit but also if it is saturday night sunday morning it's so late they're not even <laughs> differentiating the time that it happened uh what else could possibly happen when the bars are letting out in right. orlando and there's a huge horse there and you're with all of your friends someone in that group is going to go we're going to make that horse run because, because what you wanted to do was the old movie thing right totally. where they where they slap the horse and the horse runs away with the bad guy <laughs> right because the horse has a mind of its own and you think i can control this horse by right. giving it a go and he thought it would be hilarious if he if hit the, the horse cop, on the, the cop was like whoa, 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 and, and running yeah. down the road yeah. and you know what yeah. i agree that's <laughs> hilarious so I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm not he saying do it. didn't hurt the horse. Yeah. yeah. This is, the horse is not hurt. Can we like, can we go back to that? Like the horse ain't hurt. I know, but P- you know, but, but you my, my thing is this. It's not technically entrapment, but you're outside of a bar with a horse at 2.30 <laughs> in the morning. What do you think is going to be the outcome here? You know, right, just, uh, just get the horses, get the horses off the police force. So like maybe if there's a terrain or if you're uh, literally a Canadian Mountie, Right. But other than that, just use a bicycle out there or use the right. stilts or the jump things. That's a perfectly rational solution. Right. No, like, the jump things. It's like putting a bounce house outside the bar and just <laughs> leaving it unattended and just going like, uh, you can't go in the bounce house, even though at 2 a.m., what else would you rather do? We're yeah. adults. I mean, we're going to put the most drinking. fun animal this out would there. Be fun. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we, we, I'm going to put the most fun animal we can find, but the one rule is you can't touch it or mess with it. Well, yeah. That's fair. We're going to put a chimpanzee with like a little drum set in front of it and a hat on, right? And you're just like going to ignore this thing and, and keep a crate of bananas. Like, no, it's Wait, on duty. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a police chimpanzee. Yeah. yeah. All right. What do you have, Prop? Well, I have um, a little bit of um, maybe uh, what's 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 the true crime? What's the name of the true crime thing again that we're doing here? That we're the new Ella. podcast we're launching. Yeah, it's Jesse's I, I, true I've crime been going thing. back and forth on the title. So I mean, well, you took either way. Up. It's a, it's a, it's an epic true crime uh, forty seven hour podcast experience. Yeah, you know when you take on like big floss <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, so, no, no, yeah. Here's it's my, pretty much called the relevant podcast. It's but pretty whatever. much the relevant podcast. <laughs> we can so, so I come from the city, you know, uh, I come from a city that's right next to an ocean. So we're going to yes, put that west, out west. there. But um, there's this big tradition, you know, when you come from the inner city, one of those things I know every year uh, when I was a child, I used to go to like the garment district. Uh, or the Santee Alley, um, that's known downtown LA, uh, was like, which is essentially like a big old, like swap meet, right? All over the place. You can get whatever name brand, you know, you want, just know that it's not actually made by that name brand or it's made from that actual like sweatshop. You know what I'm saying? And they just shipped it there. You know, yeah. um, either way, it's knock off everything. You get your, you get your good, in the 90s, you get your good poo-boo, you know, because they didn't have the foo-boos. You got to get the poo-boos, right? So you got to <laughs> knock off everything, but it looked amazing. The Wall Street Journal has reported that um, we've been eating knockoff fish for decades. What? 
What? Yeah. Why is so, that possible? So, yeah, it's one of those things that when you say out loud, it's like, oh, yeah. Okay, there's 6.8 billion humans, right? right and right. if all of us at some point in the day, in our week, ate a piece of fish, there's only so many fish to go around. Now, right? are we talking like fish sticks and things that obviously probably aren't much fish? Like no, the pink goo? No, that's not what I'm talking about right, at right, all. Yeah. One, of the, one of the things that I'm talking about is this. Okay, so Japan stopped shipping wasabi like decades ago. So whenever uh-huh. you go get sushi, that's not wasabi. That's horseradish. Right. But they just don't tell you it's just not wasabi. Japan doesn't export wasabi. They're not allowed to anymore because they're on every corner. Right. So you're eating horseradish. It's not wasabi. Can't we anyway? Hold on. But what is unique to Japan? What is wasabi unique to Japan that we can't just make it here? It grows. They just don't do it. We sell horseradish. (laughs) I think it grows. I, I, I could be wrong, but I think real wasabi grows like under a waterfall. I could be wrong about that, but it might be. The point is, they're like, we're it's not doing this. Fact. So Wall Street Journal reported in a study in 2016, like, okay, so like at least a third of the fish that you eat in the U.S. is mislabeled. For example, because there's no what? oversight for it. For example, you might read, you know, when you go to your cool little hipster thing that says local red snapper as actually like a farmed Asian catfish, right? Uh, That's like totally done by like illegal methods. There was a film that came out a while ago that was called The Last Ocean. Um, And it talks about how like, okay, so like the the waters off the UK, like they fished that ocean dry like a century ago. You know what I'm saying? So when you say it out loud, you're like, okay, totally. How could I be in landlocked toad suck Arkansas? And that Mm -hmm. sign says catch of the day it's totally not catch of the day they said that they said that That of that 90 percent of our fish that we eat in the u.s is shipped right it's not local it's not farmed and of course it how could it be there's only so many fish in the ocean right so unlike unlike locally sustained like like vegetables and like grazing animals and like like farm fed like beef you can we can attest to that and there's a lot of like oversight for that but for the fish because there's there's just there's only so much ocean and there's only so much ocean we could get to and if all of us is pescatarians there's no way in the world we we could grow that many salmon and ship them to st louis today Okay, yeah. propaganda. Let me let me ask you a few questions about this. Okay, One, aren't we a little bit okay with that? Like, because no, basically, but, 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 uh, it's like salmon and then all other fish is all I really know. Yeah, but 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 what they'll do is Eddie, they'll take they'll say like, let's say you order like a thirty dollar swordfish. What you're really eating is like five dollar tilapia. Or that's the point. You, you know, so so essentially, eh, it's taking whatever. a cheap, easy to farm fish and just yeah. l- labeling it just so they can mark it up on you. Propaganda, is there a way that I can specifically know for certain that I am eating very friendly dolphin that can do tricks? Because that's what I like. <laughs> you know what? And here's the point of the here's the point of the article. There's literally no way. You know the new thing of like pokey, you know how that's like the new thing now, although you know Hawaiians and Islanders nope. have been eating it forever. Yeah, pokeballs. Right. I love pokeballs. There's one down the street. Me and my wife get it at least yeah, once a week. It's opening it's phenomenal. One downtown here. You're, not now, eating, you're not eating you're not eating tuna. There's only 12 different species of tuna. The one you're eating is probably the cheapest one they can get. 
I, uh, my mind is blown about this whole wasabi thing. And I just, I just verified it, it, the American thing that we're eating is what prop said. It's horseradish. Oh, so you didn't believe and, me and when I said true it? Was, no, I didn't believe you. Oh. I was fact checking. Okay. Hmm. Got it. I'm, I, I don't believe anybody. I got it. At first blush. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the true, the real wasabi comes from grading the root uh, wasabia japonica. It's only in and, Japan. Uh, in the U.S., uh, we just uh, grade horseradish. Yep. And make it green. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, it says most of the wasabi served outside of Japan is a mixture of horseradish, mustard, and food coloring. That's all it is. Wow. And even in Japan, the demand for real wasabi is so high, you'll often find the horseradish mixture instead uh, with very little, if any, real wasabi mixed in. And you just don't say um, it to you. You just don't bring it up. Wow. It's like, don't ask, don't tell. You just don't bring it up. Like, I'm not going to... Hmm. If you assume it's wasabi, I'm going to let you assume that. That's basically Well, the most thing. of us have never tasted real wasabi. Yeah. So that to us, that is what we it like when we're eating. Blow and, our mind. Yeah. Well, that, so it's more uh, earthy tasting and a little more mild than our, the horseradish version that we... Have. Yeah, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah, well, but anyway, that, that's why I, I've done the whale. safe thing, guys, and I've converted my diet to almost entirely horse meat. And uh, you know, it's um, <laughs> taking them off the streets <laughs> of our cities. Yeah, take them off the streets. Put them in our like, kitchens. It's uh, it's controversial. Oh, Very controversial. But uh, that's the tagline of your campaign. Get them off the streets this, into the kitchens. This feels like there's. This is a story you can't really do anything about, right? right. I mean, like we understand, but like, what can you do? Not even like a good. A thing. You can't. Yeah, not a thing. Oh, I mean, cool. restaurants yeah, can, can call thing. the food whatever they want. Because there's no you know, oversight. There's not like an, and, and yeah. even if there is, it's like, okay, so what this would probably mean is that that's going to vastly cut down the amount of times you can go get a piece of fish during the week for dinner. It's just like, oh, great. Now my life sucks. Or, or, or that piece of fish. Or I mean, like you won't fish. be able to get yeah. that grouper or that snapper. Yeah. You would just have to have other Soul options. Fish, you know? You're eating a bottom feeder. Most likely, you're eating a bottom feeder. Well, even if for the bottom feeder, if you get a little fake wasabi on it, it tastes delicious. And here's the thing. <laughs> I mean, I I grew up, you know, mm. my, mom, my, my daddy's from Dallas, Texas. My grandmother's from Sulphur Silv- Springs. We eat red snapper and catfish. I like bottom feeders. Yeah. 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 You pretty much just eat an old circus animals. <laughs> <laughs> what? All right. What do you have, Eddie? Um... <laughs> Um, if it's a okay, so I started to just read the actual article, um, but uh, I, I don't do a lot of the like crime stories, you know, yeah, because just, beat. everybody's so much better at it and I don't do the silly criminals, but there is a, just an outrageous arrest made this week. Now, granted, it was in Montreal, Canada, and we haven't talked about Canada for a while, but so for those you know, mounted horses, am I right? Well, there you go. That's a great point somebody's got a somebody has to tweet to us and t- give us an actual explanation of why horses matter not why they think they matter for police officers but there's got to be a police officer who rides a horse no, I that think, I to think in canada the mounties yeah. is because of all the snow they and can they can kind of like step through all the snow and uh, it's easier for them to get around yeah not Back downtown orlando you know but yeah that's what they're, they're not gonna be riding bikes in you know calgary winters or, here's the thing you know, if a horse is indigenous to that area like if it wouldn't be if you wouldn't be weirded out just seeing a horse trot down the the road 
then it's fine. Like if you if you live in mountain country and it's like not uncommon to see just horses trotting around, horses are fine there. Don't yeah. put them in an urban area. Like it makes zero yeah. sense. It's like seeing a horse cop in a mall. Like no one would do that because it's just absurd. There's no. It has. It's zero. Like a shop. There's no, the horse isn't going to catch a shoplifter. Okay. I can see a dog. Can you imagine? I can see a dog. A, can you imagine standing in hot topics and you just look out into the middle of the mall and there's just a big horse walking by. So this 38 year old father of two was driving to the grocery store. Is this about you? When he right, this it hit a little close to home. His 38 father of two. He popped a CD into his car stereo, which was a little vintage, but it was, as it will turn out, there's a lot vintage well, he's about this guy. He's out of touch. This is quite dead. Pops a CD into his car stereo. No big deal. We've all done this. And it starts blaring a song, a song that we will play in a moment. And what does he start to do? Of course, he starts to sing along. Suddenly, he hears the wail of a siren behind him, and he said, I was thinking they wanted to pass, but they called on the speaker, please go to the right side. He goes to the right side of the road and the policeman came and they asked the guy if he was screaming and the guy said, no, I wasn't screaming. I was just singing. So he's singing along. They pull him over. They think he's screaming at this point. They then issue him a citation for $149 Canadian, which is 118 us, right? So for singing in his car for singing in his car, but the offense was for screaming in public. So the, the Montreal police website says that nor, noise resulting from cries, clamors, singing, altercations, or cursing, or any form of an uproar is among the categories of, of a prohibited noise. Mm. So this guy gets arrested in his car for singing so loudly and obnoxiously <laughs> that apparently it was arrest worthy. But What's this, the, what song was it? <laughs> here is the song that the guy was singing at the top of his lungs it that got him arrested. diggity da by Burlap to Cashmere. <laughs> Yes! He was singing CNC Music Factory at the top of his lungs. He's 38 years old. He's driving through the cold streets of Montreal. Now, do you think he sung the Everybody Dance Now or, the, or the, the rap part that comes in? I think he got arrested for the for the hook, yeah. But I basically just wanted to bring this slice so you could just see this guy right this now. This is the road to tyranny we're on, people. Don't tread on me. If I wanted to do CNC Music Factory in the street, I could. You know, this is why Chandler and I can't go to Canada without him getting in trouble. Because we'll just be walking around and every once in a while I'll go, Handsome! Handsome! And they take away. He's been been deported from Canada for just screaming handsome at handsome at hunks that walk by. It's it's a whole thing. They don't want him back. So I gotta say, if you're in Canada and you're listening to a classic '90s jam, take the fine because it's only 149 Canadian, which is not that much. The other the other day, we were in the car and like the five o'clock mix comes on, and the guy is doing a little bit old school, and uh, and my son's in the back and. and uh, the Humpty Dance comes on, right? And so oh, I know, yes. I know, I know every word of the Humpty Dance. Of course. And of course. so he's never heard this Required before. Required listening. And, and Cohen's like going, he's like, man, this is like old school. And I was like, yeah, and I, I, I know all the words. And he goes, no, you don't. And so I, of course, start rapping yeah. all the words. The look on his face of sheer, he was so mortified and embarrassed that like 
you know, his dad, I was like, I officially have crossed over. This is now like, <laughs> I am, I'm embarrassing dad because I literally am rapping every word of the Humpty dance. Yes. Like that's I, what you got to do. But I just doubled down and wrapped the entire song. And of course <laughs> I looked you, him in the eye in the rearview mirror. Yeah. Never break eye contact. I never, I didn't. Yeah. This morning I drove with my peripheral vision. Yeah. This it don't work till you pull over, get out the car and actually do the Humpty dance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the next level. This morning on the way to, uh, on the way to taking Lucy to school, singing, uh, Africa by Toto. Yeah. Really? When you oh, hit that chorus, it's a classic. Oh, that's take amazing. A lot to take me away from you. I mean, that's as good as it gets. <laughs> Listen, when you get out the car and actually do, do the dance, uh-huh. you've hit Black Parent. Just think about black people how we raise our kids. <laughs> that's we that's just, the love I aspire to. Embarrassing our children is is part of the uh, inheritance and privileges and the payback of having to raise kids. No, but you know what though? This is this is what happened in the ensuing days. Yeah. I decided I need to educate my kid about oh, yeah. great music from the 90s and 2000s. Yes. Okay. So he he likes music now. He's really into he he likes yeah. he can tell you all his favorite artists yeah. and stuff. And so I'm going to educate him. Yeah. So I, I no lie got my Walkman out cassette sure. player and his birthday just happened and a friend gave him like he would walk around the house like listening to my, he thinks it's this crazy you know device that plays music and he's been you know playing it lately yeah. and a friend for his birthday gave him some tapes great and so he got like the shins album oh, yeah. from the early wow. 2000s whatever great. and my kid last night is going to bed and he goes dad do you think I could listen to the Walkman in bed and he's yeah. going to sleep with headphones on listening to the shins that's, I'm uh, like that's I've cool. never been prouder of myself that's, that's all you want that's <laughs> phenomenal bro. so he's just like and he, and he listened to it until the side ran out and then he was asleep do you remember the first tape you ever got uh, and CD tape and CD. Y- yes. Okay. Moments. So, so the first yes. tape I ever bought, I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music. So the mm-hmm. first tape I ever bought with my own money was the fat boys. Great. Uh, 1985. And the first CD I ever bought was uh de la soul, uh, three feet high and rising. Good. Those are both great. Uh, options. 1987 tape so. run DMC in hell. Nice. Uh, CD Michael Jackson, bad, not bad. Yeah. yeah I'm oh, surprised it wasn't Dave Matthews. <laughs> my first tape kid and play. Okay. Kid plays too hype. Great one. Yes. And my sister bought MC lights that oh, same day. Okay. Ooh, wow. Great. Yes. And then my first CD, y'all ready for this? Oof. Dos effects. Dead serious. Oh, come bump, on. Stickety bump, stickety bump, bump, stickety bump. Wow. Well done, yeah. dude. Uh, yes. that, that's Jesse, which Willie Nelson C- tapes and CDs <laughs> were your first? No, I think, I, I think my first, uh, I think my first tape was MC Hammer, Don't Touch This, or Can't Touch This. Are you serious? I think so. I think so. I think Are it was we MC all Hammer. hip-hop? I, yeah, yeah, I mean... Oh, wow. But my first CD was, uh, um, I believe, it was either some weird, like... The, there was a record label called Epitaph Records, one of their compilations, or MXPX Teenage Politics. I okay. think it was one of those two. Um, yeah. Chandler, did you ever have a tape? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure my first one was maybe Carmen or something like that. Uh, but no, you bought with your own money. With my, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think I ever bought a that tape wasn't my force, Yeah, he doesn't spend money. That wasn't force-fed yeah. to you by the machine. Yeah, but guys, I, I'm sorry, I can't get it. I'm, I'm like depressed by these slices. You're telling me I can't spank a horse? I can't <laughs> sing Everybody Dance Now? When did we move to the Soviet Union? Why don't we just start with what I can do? What is legal? Because you just took two things I like to do. And we're getting spank. fake fish left and right. Yeah, and I, I, I can't. Fish. Two things that I would think... Okay, basic basic human rights for me to be able to spank a horse and sing everybody dance now. And you're going to feed me bottom feeders? It's all backwards. It is all backwards. 
We've had quite a quite a day here. Quite a day. <laughs> All right, well that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Trip Lee joins us. You're listening to MGMT. The song is Little Dark Age, which is what we're living in. I've never had tuna fish, apparently, in my life. Never. You don't even know what it tastes like. I don't even know what it is. I've been eating blue whale the whole time. <laughs> blue whale? Well, there's a lot of meat on the, on it. Oh, yeah. wow. So oh, one blue whale is going to give you a whole state's worth they're, of they're fish. They're grainy. I like them. Yeah. Well, this week's feature segment is brought to you by Blue Apron, who doesn't we, serve. Yeah, yeah, we need to really yeah. distance the previous conversation yes. from what's about to happen. <laughs> yes. Correct. Yes. Blue Apron. Hey, this October, Blue Apron is celebrating its fifth anniversary by bringing back its top recipes from throughout the past five years, uh, as picked by you, the Blue Apron community. Your favorite Blue Apron recipes are back on the menu for a limited time only. Blue Apron is all about giving people fresh recipes to explore as they learn to cook a new dish after new dish, which is why, and many people don't realize this, they don't repeat recipes within one calendar year. This is what makes this limited time only offer so exciting. You can try out Blue Apron's all-time customer favorites by going to blueapron.com slash relevant. Yeah. And, and guys, I'm actually a Blue Apron customer now. And if they can turn me into someone that can cook a meal for an entire family, they can literally do anything. That's the equivalent of it. That's a culinary miracle is what that is. That's <laughs> like, that's like the saxophone here? guy. That, that is as, as miraculous as the saxophone guy. Because I had my, my in-laws yeah. were in town the other day. It was my father-in-law's birthday. And I had the, these great Blue Apron meals. And I told them, I'm going to make dinner for everybody. And it, so it was these chicken burgers, right? And I've never made them before. And it's not like, look, man, you get your hands there. You're really making stuff. This isn't a frozen stuff. You're just pop it in the oven like I, I i made the burger meat with the with the with the chicken they provided put all the seasoning in i had a separate pan where i'm making sauce to put on the burgers it's mm. it, it's like it's restaurant amazing. quality that they had they teach you to make in the kitchen and if they can teach me they can literally literally teach anyone but also by you, you mean Dana, right? Like I feel like you would just like she make walked a little, in there a and saw what I had box. cooking, saw yeah. the, saw what was going on, and knew it was just best that she would leave. It was going to end one of two ways: uh, yeah. a house fire or a delicious <laughs> meal. And thanks to their their visual, they give you these visual recipe cards because if it was a book, like I don't think I could do it. But it's like a visual <laughs> recipe that walks you through step by step, yeah. and uh, you know it, they have it all planned out. So check out this week's menu and get thirty dollars off your first meal with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash relevant. you love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash relevant for $30 off. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. In addition to being the rapper behind albums, uh, including uh, Between Two Worlds and Rise, uh, Trip Lee is a pastor at Atlanta's Cornerstone Church. His background in theology is evident in his music, which pulls in deep spiritual themes and songs about everything from relationships to social issues. Trip Lee recently stopped by the Relevant Studios to talk about his latest album, The Waiting Room, balancing life as a pastor and a rapper, and his thoughts about the racial climate in America. Here is Trip Lee. Still what do you think would be like people's biggest misconception about your life? Being on the road, being a an artist, 
Yeah, I think people probably, um, people probably assume that it's all glamorous and mm -hmm. glorious all the time, which is so much about what I do that, that I love, and it really is a privilege. Like, it, it is sincerely a privilege to get to be able to get on stage and to do what I love and for people to come and to enjoy it. Yeah. That is a privilege, and it is fun. I mean, it's, there's, it's a unique feeling to do music that people already know and love and to see them connect with it um, in real time. Uh, there's so much about that that I, that I really do love. But I think people assume that it's not also a job. That it's right. not also like, you know, people like, my job, sometimes I don't want to go in on Monday morning. And, uh, and they assume that if you're a rapper, you always are super excited to do your job. But it's like, no, it is a job. We're in yeah. a fallen world. Work is hard. That's part of what this is. And, and there is hard work that goes along with it. And so um, it is hard work to get a tour set together. And it is hard work to make tweets, um, you know. Uh, it is hard work to get up and do that every single day. Um, I, th I think that's a misconception people have um, that it's all fun and it's all glamorous. But it's yeah. not. There's, there's lots of hard stuff. It's hard to be away from family for a while. Uh, and for me, I have an illness too called chronic fatigue syndrome. And so there's some things that are really, really hard about about the road uh, in terms of recharging and having enough energy to do mm -hmm. it every day. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I love it. You know, I, I, I do love it and I'm grateful God gives the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of piggybacking on that, yeah. um, what would you think would be maybe the most challenging of all those aspects that you're talking about, hard, difficult, you know, the work that goes in, maybe the time away from your family, what is for you personally the most like challenging that you have to like just wake up and, and commit yourself to? Um, for me, the most challenging thing is how my health impacts uh, mm. my work because, um, yeah, I've had this illness for about 10 years. Uh, and it's, it's, it's been better or worse at different periods, but um, it's the hardest part of every part of my life. And uh, you know, what it means is that I, you know, it's very unpredictable when I have energy and when I won't. Um, it's very unpredictable to know if my body's gonna crash and I'm gonna be in a situation where I can barely even do the show that night. Um, waking up, I don't know what time I'm gonna wake up every day. So that's, that's the hardest part for me is trying to, while I'm out on the road, navigate the illness that the Lord has given me and try to honor him with yeah. that um, and try to love the folks around me while I'm on tour and all those things. That's the hardest part of yeah. it for me. So right now the evangelical community in America is going through a, a pretty tough time when it yeah. comes to um, the conversation about racism in America and you've been given a platform. Um, yeah. How do you think what, like, what do you think about everything that's happening in America right now? Just start, we'll start there. Yeah, um, it's, it's like a perfect storm of stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, you know, Ferguson and, you know, Trayvon Martin and mm -hmm. Eric Garner. You know, there were these string of uh, shootings of unarmed black men that have, you know, brought a lot of conversations back to the forefront. And that's the kind of stuff that's been happening over and over again. And you have protests, and then you have Donald Trump being elected as president. You know, you just have all these things that are happening that are, you know, pushing this conversation to the forefront. I think uh, some people assume that there's some kind of new racial tension that's, that's happening right now. Like, oh, there's racial tension now in, in 2017, which uh, is just not the case. Just what's happened is a lot of it's been pushed to the forefront. We've been forced to have these conversations. This racial tension is not new whatsoever. Right. It's just um, things have happened that have exposed some people in terms of how they really feel about 
uh, black people, how they really feel about issues of black people, how they really feel about other issues surrounding immigrants and refugees. Stuff has happened that's brought those issues to the forefront, but the racial tension is not new. And anybody who's been a black man or a minority in America, you know, this, this is not like, these are not new things. So what I'm grateful for is that the conversations have been happening, that the conversations have been forced to happen. Though I haven't always been encouraged by how they do happen. So I'm trying to use my platform in a lot of ways to where I can contribute to the conversation and help it move in, in, in useful ways. Yeah. So. What would you say then would be um, the best thing for Christians in America to, to understand, to maybe help them approach that conversation from a more healthy place? I think one of the things to be helpful to understand would be the presuppositions that we have. You know, I think we assume that we come to a conversation with uh, these perfectly unbiased, uh, you know, kind of clean slate kind of thing. Like we're all just seeing the facts. I think that's part of what makes it hard sometimes for people to understand the impact that racism and systemic racism and individual prejudice has on black people, minorities in America, because they think, you know, I'm coming with this, I'm just looking at the facts and here's how my life has been. This is what I've seen in my experiences, so this can't be true. I think where we understand our presuppositions, how our experiences affect how we see the world, it helps because uh, you can sit and listen to somebody without assuming that you're already right on it. I, I think people are talking past each other a whole lot. Um, and I think it's in part because of assumptions that we bring to the conversation. So one, it's good that we have the conversations. We need to have the conversations. Yeah. We don't move forward on accident, right? Um, and, and there will be some times when uh, white brothers and sisters will say, can we just stop talking about race and talk about the gospel? Um, you know, everything doesn't, have to be about race. We don't have to talk about race all the time. But just as a black man in America, you know, I, it, it is a privilege not to have to think about race. That's not a privilege that I have. Uh, people think about my race when they come into contact with me. And, um, uh, you know, whether I'm going through airport security, whether it's an interaction with any kind of authority, whether it's when I walk into a store where they have nice things, I don't have the privilege of not thinking about my race. I'd love to not have to think about my race very often, but this is just the reality of what it means to be a black man in America. Um, so I, it's good that we have the conversation, especially for folks who don't have to think about race very often. When we can have the conversation, then we can help one another understand, yeah. we can start to point at stuff, and we also have to be gracious with one another. Um, you know, it's sometimes where people will be scared to even have the conversation because it'll be awkward. And the kind of love that Jesus calls to, if it can't, stomach and awkward conversation, we just have no chance to be able to actually love each other. If I can't sit with somebody and have an awkward conversation, then how in the world am I gonna bear their burdens like Jesus calls us to? How am I gonna bear your burdens if I don't even know what your burdens are? You know, if we don't have these conversations, we won't be able to really talk through it. And I think there also has to be a willingness not only to have the conversations, but for people who have power and influence to actually do things that can help uh, tilt the scales and help balance the scales so so that where we have power privilege and influence in our own lives we have to be willing to use that power privilege and influence not just for our own benefit but for the interests and the benefits of other people so on the flip side of that 
on the on the opposite side, yeah. you have we have this really great moment right now where faith in hip hop is is having a moment. Guys yeah. like like Chance and Kendrick are starting yeah. to talk more openly about their beliefs and their and their ideas. Why do you think that that's happening? Like within within society right now, with within this you know genre, why do you think that that's coming to the surface? Yeah, I mean, I think where you have uh, people who are thoughtful in their music like a Chance or a Kendrick, you're gonna get more of some of the stuff that's behind them or even where they go when they wanna think thoughtfully about life and why things are the way that they are. Um, and both of them had, uh, you know, whether it's family members or relatives who, where they were around kind of churchy stuff or, or Christians, mm -hmm. so when they begin to think deeply about life, that stuff really come, comes out. And one of the things I'm grateful for, for that within hip hop is, um, it just seems like there's been a unwillingness to stomach any talk about Jesus or any talk about faith in, in hip hop in a lot of ways. Where it seems like Christianity or serious following of Jesus specifically has been like, we don't want to hear any of that. You know, a lot of it because of the ways Christianity has been abused and has been seen as a white man's religion because they've been a bad past of people using it to oppress and um, and so it feels like something distant from the black experience for some people even though you know black people are more religious um, as a whole you know there's been some hostility towards it in hip-hop where you have five percentage you have Muslims you could have all other kind of religious representation but Christianity was like um, and so what I like about it is, um, you know, it gives people a chance to not just kind of cut off any talk of Jesus within music and a willingness to hear people talk about that. You know, I want hip hop to be a genre where we're not only allowed to talk about these things. So we can only make party songs or we can only be in your face about drugs and guns and strippers, but not Jesus. I, I, I don't want that to be the case. I want hip hop to be a place where we can have a, a, a broader kind of conversation where people are welcome into that so that I, you know, people like me who love Jesus want to represent Jesus and also want to make excellent music so that I can be part of the conversation. Um, that's one of the things I love about uh, guys like Kendrick and Chance mm -hmm. being open and honest about that stuff is it keeps that conversation going and, and then for guys like me we can, we can be part of that conversation too. Yeah. Do you see that as more of like a, like a special moment that's happening that we're in the middle of? Or do you think this is just something that, like now that we've broken the seal, it's just something that hopefully is gonna keep happening and happening? That's a good question, I don't know. I mean, there've been different moments in hip hop when uh, different things, because particular artists are big, have been more acceptable. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but I mean, hip hop has, there have been seasons where people have had a lot of religious imagery and even Christian imagery. You had Kanye with Jesus Walks, you had DMX who was praying on every record he had. Um, one of the things that's interesting though is uh, what I want to see, you know, what happens with this and what um, people, you know, there's an acceptance of it from people as long as you still feel like you're, you're just one of us. So it, you know, if you're gonna talk about Jesus and you're not going to also talk about this other stuff, or you're also not going to talk about or use this kind of language or do these kind of things, then I feel like maybe I should feel judged when I listen to it. Um, so it, that's what I wanna see if what happens if uh, people are more open to an artist like me who's talking about God and who's talking about Jesus, uh, whether or not that openness will, will make people be open to that. My way, my way, my way.
That was Triple E. Uh, it was a phenomenal interview. Uh, we actually filmed it. Uh, was this uh, the inauguration of the new studio? Is this the first well, thing? Well, the studio's not done yet. This was the first thing we've shot in the studio, but the studio right, right now is just a empty room with uh, walls of lights. I mean, like, yeah. like we washed the wall, but very minimal. It's not like yeah, the sets so it, aren't built yet and got stuff. It, got it. But it was yeah. great. Yeah. I like Tripoli and JD did a very good job. He did a very good job. Yeah. All right. Stay tuned. Up a next. Of, a lot of Star Wars questions, though. <laughs> could, have back, could have backed off this one, but happy. Your new issue preview. I do my damage Listening to Sierra Whack. The song is Mumbo Jumbo, all caps. Mumbo Jumbo. How could it not be? Which is basically the tagline of this podcast. <laughs> this week's show is also brought to you by Talkspace. We all need to take a little bit better care of ourselves, and our mental health is no exception. That's why today's sponsor, Talkspace, the online therapy company, makes it easy to connect with an experienced licensed therapist that you pick based on your preferences for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy. You can send your therapist text, audio, and video messages, and even do live video chat. Talkspace therapists are fully licensed and go through a rigorous screening process in addition to thousands of hours of supervised professional training. To match you with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com slash relevant. And as a special offer for our listeners, you can use coupon code relevant to get $30 off your first month and show your support for this show. That's relevant and Talkspace.com slash relevant. Talkspace is therapy for how we live today. If I can say a little PSA, though, about yeah. about get finding a therapist, I think people listening to this, like who have been to therapy, right. are like, oh, cool, that's a good option. I'll do that now. Right. But for a lot of folks who are listening, I bet even when they heard us talking about this, you know, in previous weeks, ago, we're yeah. like, um, I kind of only thought about going to counseling. But the step between like thinking and then going to Talkspace or thinking and taking that first step is a massive step. And I would just encourage yeah. people. It is scary. Counseling is not scary and it is not like what you've seen on TV where someone is like laying down where you're laying down and someone's like getting all in your world. It is talking with someone who really cares about you, but is also objective enough to not be fully in it with you. Hmm. I would just That's a good way to say I, it. I would just encourage folks to uh, take a really big, brave step and find a counselor yeah. because I think, you know, if you need it. And I, I yeah. think the, the hardest part of it is not actually the therapy. It's actually the first call. So I would just do that. So go get a little vulnerability in here. Please. Like we, we do it in our marriage. We oh, yeah. do it separately, individually and together. Like it's, Oh yeah. It's I've walked through great. all kinds of stuff with the counselor. It's been great as well. And one of the best times to get a therapist is when you don't really need a therapist, because when you're really struggling or you're really in the throes of addiction, that's the last time you want to hear someone pushing back on you. So it's good to have somebody that you already have a rapport with so that when you actually are in need, you know, you it, it's not as scary because you know what the person looks like. and You know how to get there and you know all the little things that feel like barriers. Um, anyhow, go to therapy. When when Talkspace approached us about sponsoring the show, we you know, honestly, I hadn't heard of online therapy before. And mm -hmm. so I, we, we did our due diligence about, and I believe honestly, like it's important to have, if you're a Christian, have a Christian counselor and, you know, people who understand mm -hmm. your worldview and, and things like that. And, and Talkspace offers all that. You can, yep. you can find Christian counselors. You can find people who specialize in the things that you're struggling with. Um, it really stood up uh, yeah. to the scrutiny that we, you know, look as we were testing Talkspace out and like learning more about them. Yeah. Uh, what they are doing is, 
is helping people who maybe wouldn't have the ability or or the finances or or the time to right. do traditional therapy. This is something totally. that gets them going and helps them. Right. So yeah. it's great. Well, this is where uh, Prop and Eddie are going to step out for a few minutes, and Tyler's yeah. going to join us from Nashville uh, to let you guys know about the new issue of Relevant. Welcome, Tyler. Hey, it's good to be here, guys. So a big team works, not a big team or a small team, but a a larger team works on every issue of Relevant, but uh, we can't really pack the room full of, you know, 20 people. So um, Jesse, who's over our, our, all of our content as our brand director uh, is deeply involved in the issues now. And uh, Tyler Huckabee is our contributing editor who was... um, with us years ago and has come back on with us and has uh, really taken an instrumental role in uh, the magazine. And we're excited to have him. It's uh, years of sleeping outside the front door finally paid off. (laughs) (laughs) You're nothing if not persistent, Tyler. That's what I always... (laughs) Uh, I just beg for one article. Just let me me be in charge of headlines even. Yeah, Tyler went away for a few years after an incident with a police horse uh, that's just now getting settled. So welcome back, man. Um, We're sorry about that, (laughs) Uh, it, it, it had it had no bearing on my editorial skills. <laughs> we, we don't the lose courts those. Agree. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> so the new issue of Relevant is is starting to ship now. Uh, subscribers will be getting it in the next couple of days. Uh, it'll hit newsstands by the first. And we wanted to take a few minutes to tell you about some of the kind of I- thoughts and ideas that went into the issue. So when you see it, you can kind of have a, a broader perspective of what we were up to. Um, the cover <laughs> is. Uh, Anthony Anderson. This is a unique yes. story and yeah. a unique, unique moment. The, the show Blackish is a comedy, you know, is up for a ton of Emmys, and it is probably one of the most important shows on television right now. The way that it deftly addresses social justice issues, faith issues, and family issues, and so many more things about uh, societal, uh, just everything, you know, what's going on in our society. It, but it does it under the the framework of a comedy, and yeah. it is. Genuinely a smart and funny show. It's not heavy handed yet at the end of every episode, you are left enriched by kind of watching it. And and, and we've been talking about blackish internally for quite a while. And as we looked more and more into it and we're fans, it was really the star of the show, Anthony Anderson, who, who uh, kind of behind the scenes was also a driving force in the content and message of the show and how it is uh, kind of straddling faith and justice and comedy. And uh, Tyler had the opportunity to sit down and talk to him about that. Yeah, it was super exciting. I feel like there's a, and, and I talked to, to Anthony a little bit about this in the article, uh, but there's sort of a, a demarcation between TV today. There's the shows that are really intelligent and they're usually on some of the, the premium channels that are harder to, and they get into really deep issues of society and they're on HBO or FX. And then there's the broader network type shows and blackish walks the line between those two in really interesting ways. And, and I don't, I didn't really know how Anthony Anderson even managed to sell a place like ABC on a show that's as smart and nuanced as blackish is. And he goes into that and, and what a, the journey to getting it on screen and talks a lot about their commitment to maintaining really broad viewpoints to attacking issues from various different angles. We had a great conversation. I, I loved talking to him and excited for you guys to get to see the conversation we had. The thing that came up over the last few years, like when we talk about Blackish, I would t- I'd be telling the guys like about that, that week's episode and I'm like, 
listen, like the way that it even portrays yeah. faith and the church is probably more accurate. Like there's an insiderness to it. You know what I mean? There's like, they get it as yeah. opposed to like, you know, the cliche, you know, sister act two type thing where it's kind of like in a cathedral and they're nuns and they're singing black gospel. And like, none of this is actually what church is really like y'all like blackish yeah. gets it. You know, like they, they did an mm-hmm. episode a couple seasons back where they kind of like were looking for a new church and they were testing out different styles of churches and their friends invited them to go to like a hipster trendy church uh, in LA. And then, you know, they, they had an issue uh, or an episode this past season where the, um, the, the daughter, they were, you know, were saying a prayer before uh, a dinner in one of the episodes and the daughter was asked to pray and she's like, no, I'm, I don't, I don't believe in God anymore. And, and the whole episode kind of yeah. dealt with that. And ultimately like, like, you know, he's like, I failed as a father and I haven't lived out my faith in a way that my children have seen it to be genuine to me. Of course they're not. It's just, it was fascinating and real and honest and transparent. And, and like, this is on prime time. It's just, it's incredible. And I think we all know what it's like to watch TV and uh, see depictions of church or faith and be like, uh, yeah. this isn't quite the uh, it's, people who wrote this have not been to church before. If you wrote black, watch blackish, those people have been to church. Right. Before. And, and Anthony was, you know, he talked about his faith and what it meant to him and how it drove him. It, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it, it was a great cover. It was one of those conversations too. And we always talk about this internally. We try to have conversations that no one else will have. And I think that's what is really shines through, particularly in the cover story. Yeah. Well, uh, Jesse, what was another highlight uh, for you in the issue? Well, I mean, this is quite a bit different than that one. And this was a late, just a little behind the editorial curtain. That's kind of the fun of doing these, like a late addition to the magazine. You know, we have these different kind of like internal slots we want to fill to make sure that we have a broad perspective and appeal to a lot of different type of readers. And it's a holistic reading experience. And in our, one of the spots that where we, we cover things that are a little deeper, directly spiritual issues, we had something else slotted. But then I had a conversation with John Eldridge that to me, was incredibly surprising. Um, so a lot of people know John Eldridge. He wrote Wild at Heart and a bunch of books that, you know, I think if you grew up in uh, a Christian environment or kind of evangelical culture, you're probably familiar with. But he has a new book about uh, um, the afterlife. And I talked to him about this huge shift in his uh, intellectual approach to how he thinks about the afterlife and particularly um, uh, 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 heaven that it, it turns a lot of what we think about uh, uh, what the point of Christianity is on its head. It was almost like a kind of a love wins type of moment um, that he's having right now. Mm-hmm. Jesse and I, we, we are able to do a lot of interviews, talk to a lot of really interesting people uh, just about every day working for Relevant. And uh, and it's rare. It, it, does, it, does, it doesn't happen uh, super often where, where Jesse will immediately call me up after a conversation and say, this is one that we've got to highlight right away. And it happened after this John Eldridge conversation. I, uh, and, and it did not disappoint after Jesse gave me the hard sell I know. on what a good talk they'd had. I, I, and he had talked it up. Jesse has a tendency to talk things up. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and, uh, this sounds like an offline Okay, here we go. What's this and, about? And, and so I kind of like, I'm hearing his enthusiasm. Well, literally every issue that he's been a part of is the best one we've ever done. You know, that, that kind of stuff. So he's telling me about this John Eldridge conversation and he's like, dude, this is unbelievable that what he's saying 
and, and that is coming from John Eldridge, you know, and, and, and I'm like, okay, cool. I read the piece and I immediately, hit yeah. him up. I'm like, you did not oversell yeah. this one. <laughs> My eyes are like the size of saucers. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's challenging. Uh, I would just say that it's not, it, it's just challenging. Well, and it's worth well, reading. Absolutely. Speaking of challenging, one other piece that, uh, well, one, uh, there's lots of other pieces, but one of the other pieces that kind of jumped out to me, this issue that is really kind of challenging a lot of my own perceptions was our piece uh, that looks at the NFL and the concussion crisis through the lens of it being a pro-life issue. And, you know, in the piece, we had actually talked yeah. to a woman who um, lost her husband who played in the NFL for more than a decade um, and to addiction. Um, and uh, eventually when they did the autopsy, they found out that he had stage three CTE, which is the degenerative brain condition that, um, you know, has all of these side effects that include aggression, addiction, depression, and even suicide. And so we were able to talk to people who work um, to uh, collect the brains of former athletes to do research on. Um, writer and thinker uh, Chuck Klosterman um, had thoughts on it. Um uh, different people involved with the issue. It is. I'm a huge fan of football. I've I've love I love watching football. I love talking about it and thinking about it. But it, you know, we talked to a Christian ethicists and but but I guess the the it really has some challenging things about our responsibility as consumers and fans and uh, of how we think about a game uh, and what something is ultimately is that is entertainment uh, and framing it as a pro life issue and really. Being, uh, being able to not bury our ha- heads in the sand and, and address this issue head on. Uh, also in the issue, uh, we talked to Katie Davis Majors, who is uh, a millennial who moved to Uganda, uh, ended up adopting 14 kids, and uh, now she's married, and she tells her stories. It's, it's unbelievable. Dude, you would feel like you haven't done enough with your life. Talk to Katie Davis Majors for a little bit, and you're just like, well, I'm just sitting here. I, my life is passing me by. I've done nothing. I've I only have one kid. You literally yeah. have adopted 14 kids. I've run it like a huge organization, an orphanage, and Incredible person, inspiring story. Yeah, uh, we also talked to John Mark McMillan. Not not just like about his new album or anything. We actually talk about worship and the state of worship yeah. uh, today and corporate worship what and a stuff. Great guy. It's fascinating. Um, we look at um, God's spies, uh, missionaries who are having to lie and conspire with governments to you know kind of get behind the walls of closed off nations and and we kind of explore the thing of like, is this doing more harm than good? Um, we talked to Bob Goff, uh, catch up with him. It's been five years since love does came out and, uh, a lot has changed in his life and ministry. And, uh, we catch up with our good friend, Bob and tell what's going on today with him. We have some amazing bands in the issue, the Japanese house, Joseph, um, and others. It's a stacked issue. It's a stacked issue. And as Jesse would say, it's our best ever. It, this one was a lot of fun. But there, there are some Just lighter notes, too. Like, I know we talked about some heavy stuff, but uh, our guide to surviving the holidays was a lot of fun uh, to kind of uh, have a little <laughs> input into. And, um, you know, uh, our front matter section, as always, we put a lot of time into, you know, everything from like practical stuff, like, you know, holiday, you know, the holidays are right here. So a gift guide. And um, it, it was, it was a lot, this was an issue that was a lot of fun to put together. And I think one of the coolest thing is like the diversity of uh, types of content that we were able uh, to get for it. Jesse, uh, you know, one out of 90, 
Where would you rank this one? One out of 90? Oh, oh, mm. in terms... Well, we've had 90 issues. We've had I 90 mean, issues. <laughs> I, I honestly... I would, <laughs> it's going to sound, I mean, hopefully I say this to everyone, but I would honestly rank it at one. I can't think of one that I would put <laughs> over. I mean, objectively, objectively, oh, man. Cameron, would you put one over it? I'm, I, hey, I love all my children equally, man. Yeah, not <laughs> me, not me. Once a better one comes along, I'm like, nah, forget it. This is, we, we really set the bar even higher. Good job. Get out of here. I've, I've got it right at 37. <laughs> I just the middle at 24. Just, yeah, just the meaty part of the curve. I usually can tell before we even print it. Like when we're in the final stage of it, like eh, thirty-seven. <laughs> I, I can tell before I see the finished product. Uh, hey, go check it out online. Uh, you can uh, see the entire issue at relevantmagazine.com. If you want to buy the physical copy, you can at newsstands nationwide. Barnes and Noble has it. Others, um, and you can subscribe today. There is a special offer going on at the website. You should go check it out. We would appreciate your support, and I think you'll like the magazine. Hey, thanks for joining us, Tyler. Oh, yeah. Good work. Good, to be here, guys. Good work on the new issue. It's a, it's a blast. I, I think everybody's going to like it when they get it. Um, stay tuned. Up next, your feedback. to Joshua Highslop. The song is Say It Again. You're listening to Joshua Highslop. Say it again. See what I did there? Ah! <laughs> ah. Like, hey, that's that's the first one. I do what I'm told, Chandler. It said, say it again. Hey, got me hey, that who, hey, Eddie, who's on first? Who is on first? That's what I'm saying. What's written down on the thing? It just says Joshua Highslop. Say it again. It's great material. It's great. There you go. You got me. I fell for it. Uh, Okay, it's time for your feedback. Hey, uh, before we get into feedback, we do apologies and corrections. And uh, I don't know if we need an apology for last week's show, but a correction is we learned what guapo means. So (laughs) thank you for for letting us. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse, here's the, the correct answer is we learn what guapo is and it's me. There you go. <laughs> no, yes, we really um, haven't we haven't had a real legitimate apology in a long time, have we? I, you know, Nathan's here now. He, can, he there's two levels of of screening before we post a show. So the stuff that would have <laughs> fallen through the cracks with just us and Chandler, <laughs> now Nathan's catching it. Now we have another buffer. So, yeah, we got another we, buffer. That's what we learned. So yeah. th- this, this is a correction, maybe not an apology, but a couple of people noted that because uh, we talked about NF having the number one album in the country, Lecrae actually peaked at number one in 2004. With Anomaly, Anomaly, right? And Toby Mack. Um, uh and Chris Tomlin both peaked in 2012 and, and number uh, one. Yeah, I'd say so. That's wild. Yeah. So yeah. there have been now four Christian bookstore artists with number yeah. one. Yeah. There were 200 albums. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, though that's that's a good correction. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, okay. It's time for your feedback. Uh, so last week we got talking about Halloween. You know, this is tis the season. 
And uh, we wanted to know your craziest church Halloween event stories. A lot of us grew up having to go to like uh, Holy Ghost weenie roasts or harvest parties and dress up as uh, Bible characters yeah. or trunk or treat in the church parking lot. And then as we got older, it got a little more salacious and we had hell houses. I got to tell uh, you, I have never been more grateful that my parents basically didn't care at all about church and stuff <laughs> because I feel like I got to skip out on a lot. But wait till you really read some of this feedback. You're going to oh, be more I'm, grateful. I'm ready. So, so we, we were talking about that last week. And so we wanted to ask you for some of your craziest church Halloween uh, event stories. And there were a lot of them. Man, Here's yeah. a few of our favorites. Michelle King wrote where I grew up in Ohio. They were called the judgment house. Oh, our our cool. youth group went every year and the, and every year they changed it up this year. They knew our names when we went into the hell room what? after the gruesome car accident scene, all the demons were screaming our names, but it didn't stop there. The kids who died in the car accident were also calling to us by name. Michelle, why didn't you tell me about Jesus? Oh, no. Oh, no. Michelle King. I am really sorry that happened to you. <laughs> that is insane. That was not your fault, and I am cannot believe you're still on board. That's Counselor Eddie right yeah. now. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Eddie, no I idea. have one that is exponentially more awkward than that. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, I, this one is so good. It's from Daniel, and he said his church uh, used to have uh, what they called Hallelujah Night as like <laughs> as an alternative oh, no. to the spooky events of Halloween. There was always fun games, bounce houses, plenty of candy. You guys know the whole thing. Well, because you got the H-A-L-L, so it's almost yeah. like Halloween. Yeah, it's so, so it's, not, it's not lame for the kids to have to go to Hallelujah Night. Yeah. So, yeah. so they decided to you know really lean in to kind of the the spooky parallels and they had um, a booth that said psalm readings and hand massages uh, so this is not a palm reading oh uh, like you know oh so like a fortune gosh. teller and he said that it, the the concept was you go into the, the 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 booth and instead of having a psychic palm reader, you have someone read you psalms while another person <laughs> massages your hands with lotion. Gosh, you go into on. a booth. It wasn't anointing oil. You yeah. go into a booth. Oh, someone yeah. massages your hands with lotion while another person reads you psalms. How would you oh, like man. to be like the person at the church? Like, yeah, I'll help out with the hallelujah night. What, what open slots do you have? <laughs> well, it's funny you mention that, but uh, no one signed up for that for the lotion man. hand massager. They're like, well, what is what's the purpose? No, I mean there is none. You just massage their hands while someone reads them psalms. And, like how it is the most like the concept is awkward, but the execution is even more awkward. Like anything that involves a massage or touching i feel like y you might just want to sit this one out church like it's funny in concept but don't actually do that in the parking lot oh man man i'm all about eric's i'm all about eric odom right here he said he went to a heaven's glory hell's flames stage play which i'm gonna let y'all go ahead and unpack whatever that is yeah uh, oh i'm in i saw but, that yeah my, yeah. my church put that yeah, on too we did yeah heaven's gate hell's flames right but right. my Amen. favorite part about this is they tried to um they tried to make it a little bit more urban so it says that one one of the outside attractions was a hearse with the airbrush airbrush tupac and biggie on it oh. with the message along the lines of spending eternally in hell like oh. y'all gotta reach the tupac and their albums were amazing we don't well, know the condition of yeah. their souls we yeah. don't know hey, hey, hey i think either of them would say only God can judge me. That, I mean, if that's the one thing that we should learn from them is that we're doing the exact thing that they tattooed
tattooed on that Tupac had tattooed on him, which is judging him. He said only God can judge me. Okay, why are we? Why would this person? Why would this church do that? It's directly against his tattoo. Um, Rachel, hold hold on, I got to read this because Rachel wrote a great one, and she also finished it as if she was writing like Jesse, which I really realize she's been listening to the show. Rachel Wagner wrote among the unusual. She said, first of all, I went to these when I was like thirteen or fourteen years old and didn't actually realize how creepy they were until the podcast so <laughs> so like sorry buddy sorry the scales said, are now off your eyes you can't unsee it right she yeah. said among the unusual car accident theatrics and creepy demons jumping out at us one scene was a girl committing suicide another was a school classroom where a fight escalated to someone pulling out a gun she said i remember getting slammed into the wall by one of the actors jumping up of course it was all rounded out nicely with a guy dressed as jesus barely clothed and fresh off the cross and a sweet moonbeam lighting behind shooting out behind him in a foggy room oh rachel again oh. so terribly sorry what an awful thing did, i forget who did it i just saw this in passing a few days ago but like somebody said like at the end of it like the last room you have to decide like it was like after the final scene uh, the death scene and you have had to say like they asked you do you accept christ and if or, or like in this situation did you yeah. accept christ something yeah. like that and if you answered yes you would go through the door to heaven there was a parking lot Ooh, and you can leave that's where the elephant and if ears you are. said no you went through the door that said hell and it was a prayer room where they like t- one-on-one oh, talk to you about salvation Ugh. wow <laughs> 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 I, wrote that. I apologize for butchering your your tweet whoever yeah. wrote that there's, in, a, but. there's a documentary called hell house that oh, yeah you know follows this, this oh yeah it's the one in tulsa yeah yeah oh really yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. it's the one that Jesse and I knew. Well, real quick, j- just about the production of Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames, and someone else had a, a, a story from that. Abby. So, for those unacquainted, uh, I, and it might just be Cameron and I that went. Um, it's a production that is basically like a theater production of a Hell House, where people had the opportunity to uh, become a Christian and uh, either either do or don't, and then they meet eternity, and then. And in the play, they, you know, stand before God and either are sent to heaven or hell. So Abby was at this play and she had an aisle seat. But the whole time, Abby really, really had to use the restroom and was just looking for an opportunity to, to sneak out briefly, use the restroom and come back for for the play. So after the the car accident scene and the teenagers, uh, they, all of these involve some kind of gruesome car accident and the, and the teenagers yes. are pulled away to the morgue she decides now might be a good time for me to sneak out and then i'll come watch the end of the play she goes out into the aisle to go walk out the back door all of a sudden the house lights come on and demons are dragging the party or partying teen teenagers up the aisle and she stood in the aisle just staring at them <laughs> face to face wow. ran out of there and just decided not to come back so uh, good choice don't leave the play don't use the <laughs> wow <restroom>. yeah <laughs> You know, it's just my heart, like, kind of like, man, poor, like, 90s youth leaders. Like, you wanted so, like, you're trying so hard. Like, I feel like listening to this, I'm like, man, you just, you just want, you just want the poteens to love Jesus. And we just going to do everything. We, right. uh, they did their best. Like, I don't know, they my did. heart just felt bad for them because I'm sitting here going, why did you think this was a good idea? Yeah. But I'm like, man, what? Uh, yeah. You know, 
They just love them kids. Right. They spent they spent three whole months of their life co- coordinating this massive effort that, in their heart, was a really valuable moment of salvation. Really like, powerful it, thing to try to transmit the sever- the seriousness of the weight of your soul and how real hell is. Right. Which I I get, but yeah. holy smokes. Yeah. They this called Michelle's not at name. all biblical. Right. <laughs> you Michelle, cannot. Yeah. Michelle, Michelle, why didn't you tell me about Jesus? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's that's like, heavy. Michelle, that you're just a kid. You can't do that. Um, okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Okay, so earlier in the show, we were talking about our first tapes and our first CDs that we bought. Mm-hmm. And we're, we all had pretty respectable selections. Yeah. I'm proud of us. Yeah. I mean, mine was the Fat Boys. Uh, I don't know that it holds yeah, up MC all that Hammer well. Yeah, oh, man, I had Kid but, Play. I'm proud of mine. Yeah. yeah. Well, but also, you coming from your house, I mean, and your, you know, Hell House upbringing. <laughs> That's unfair. <laughs> yeah. Your parents are lovely people. I was pretty impressed that that was your first one. Well, they don't know about it. I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music. No, but that's what I'm saying. That's a pretty, if you're going to break out, like that's a decent breakout. Yeah. You did a good job. Thanks. So uh, the question of the week this week is we want to know, not your necessarily your first tape or CD that you bought yeah. with your own money. Yeah. We want to know the most embarrassing tape or CD you ever bought with your own money. Yeah. And you didn't know it was embarrassing at the time. This no. is an ironic purchase. No, no. This is a, yeah. I cannot believe I really dug that album. Yeah. Sort of uh, situation. I, I bought and listened to the soundtrack for far and away. Remember that Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman movie? <laughs> <laughs> I listened to that. The I listened soundtrack. To that, I listened to that soundtrack a thousand times. What? I just really liked the Irish music and something really got me, but it was all like when you go back and listen to it, it's just like sweeping ballad, Irishy sound. Lord of the Dance, just Far trash. Away. It's that awful. So strange. But I, I fully bought that and loved it, and, and, and I am and embarrassed by it. I should say that we are fully aware that this precludes pretty much all of our listeners under the age of thirty, because <laughs> you just kind of stole stuff on LimeWire right. and then now Spotify. But or, or so if you never bought it, what's the one that you generally like? You just really tore through this. Yeah, okay, song so, right. And, so the the album I downloaded on LimeWire and I yeah. had on heavy re- repeat. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. On your yeah. iPod, that was not color. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, or your Zune. Or, yeah, I got really yeah. into soundtracks for a while. I think I think the only I think the only soundtrack I was into like back in the day was the Space Jam soundtrack. I wasn't really oh, into yeah, soundtracks, sure. but yeah. like the Space Jam yeah. soundtrack was great. Can I play you a segment of this off my phone into a microphone? Yeah. Listen to how I mean. Yep, I could see little Eddie. Why, why am I listening to this as a kid? I could see. I could totally see little Eddie. <laughs> That's, I mean that is genuinely terrible. Weird. Even now, yeah, I mean it's, it's John it's, Williams. It sounds like it sounds like we're at Epcot. It sounds like <laughs> that, that is what it sounds like, like it's the the music like coming out of the bushes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Now it's John Williams, and he's like you know very good. But I didn't know that. I just was like, oh, I like I like exciting Irish music. <laughs> I'm 11. <laughs> <laughs> little 11 year old Eddie. Little, yeah, I could totally do, see that. Do, 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 do. All right. Well, uh, you can send us yours. Uh, on, and it better be embarrassing. Uh, on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can post yours on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. We will play some of our favorites oh, uh, yeah. next week I love and this. publicly mock you. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, many thanks to this episode's sponsors for making the show possible. Remember, uh, Samaritan's Purse, you can visit samaritanspurse.org slash OCC for gift suggestions, tracking labels, and find drop-off locations for your Operation Christmas Child shoebox. Go do it. Join us this year and do that. Uh, Blue Apron, you can check out this week's menu and get $30 off your first meal with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash relevant. 
relevant and talk space to match with your perfect therapist and to get $30 off your first month, go to talkspace.com slash relevant. Uh, also, thanks to our guest, uh, Trip Lee, for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Trip Lee. And The Waiting Room is out everywhere. And you can catch him on tour with KB throughout the fall. Uh, yeah. The new issue of Relevant is out now as well. You can uh, get it at Barnes and Nobles, Nationwide, and other newsstands. You can also check out the issue in its entirety at relevantmagazine.com and subscribe today. There's a special offer going on. I think you'll like it. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Eddie Koffeltz. Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Propaganda. We'll see you next week. You will never die. Wipe the tears off from your eyes. Sun and moon and stars above. Never match this perfect love. Just look to the painter's hands. Like an ocean meets its sands. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Handsome! Handsome! Hey guys, I'm Mike Foster from the Fun Therapy Podcast. My first question is for my guests on the Fun Therapy Podcast is always this. What don't you want me to know? And what don't you want to talk about? We dive into the horribly messy parts of life and we find hope and healing and answers and we do it all with a smile. I hope you'll join us for the Fun Therapy Podcast. Subscribe now to Fun Therapy on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.